Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. set now what is going on everybody welcome into episode number 461 of underground sports philadelphia a little delayed because well if you follow along i was up in boston aka foxborough aka the land of of doom typically but it Whoa. was a success no for for me you you oh, know you. you know you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i see what you mean now okay yeah, but we've true. we've cleansed ourselves of those jinxes a successful trip we'll be talking about it on the outside the box podcast later this week but this episode of underground sports philadelphia is happening right now i'm glad it's happening right now because i'm also joined by uh the guy from boston the host with the most the champion of the loaded box podcast Mr. Pat Pitts. Thank you. Thank you for addressing me and acknowledging me as your champion of the loaded box. You know, it's just nice to be acknowledged as a champion. Uh, And it'd be the acknowledgement of the loaded box because football season's coming back. The loaded box season, it's still in fruition. We haven't stopped. And we're going to start revving things up. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I responded to Mikey's tweet about the – he's, like, doing – Oh, rate this draft. Let me mm-hmm. see what he did. So I threw in my 32-team IDP league. Oh, I did see that. I First of all, 32 teams is ridiculous. It's I love it. I, I love that challenge because, as you know, like when – I mean, we've talked about this when I do fantasy stuff. Like, I take the full game of football, not just the fantasy element. So now you have the 32 teams – idp players you know so like i have micah parsons just madden it's madden which what do i do anyways is just create (laughs) nonsense teams in madden it's nice to have that be a fantasy team and something where i can make money off it and i'm probably going to because uh the detroit griffins which i didn't get to pick the name it's a great name it is a great name i feel like griffins is a heavily underutilized mascot it, it oh absolutely it absolutely is and it's just another lion it's like just a mythical lion, which this is a mythical lineup, which though, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and Jared Goff, all in a 32-team league. And then you pair that with Micah Parsons, the best defensive player, Isaiah Simmons, and then Yannick Ngakwe. You got you got a little too much dip on your chip saying that about uh, Micah Parsons on this show. Uh, I know, I you know what I speak facts. I'm sorry. I, I don't know about all that, but I mean, he's no he's no uh, Darius Slay. He's but, no Darius know. Slay. He's no uh, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. But you got to make do with you know where your draft position is, and sometimes you got to consolidate a little In bit. In a 32 team league, too. You know, anyway. It's episode 461. We got a lot to dive into from the Phil's horrendous West Coast road trip. Uh, just an unbelievable, kind of scary, and hopefully he's okay, Furkan Korkmaz story uh, with him playing in Eurobasket. 
Uh, we're going to get into the Union like we always do because they're the best fucking team in Philadelphia right now. And uh, the Sixers have a September free agent signing. So we're going to talk about that. And then we'll wrap up the show uh, with Pat Pitts grading my fantasy football team that I drafted for my league that Mikey is the commissioner of. And uh, this is year 10. And I don't know how I feel about my team, so I'm going to get your thoughts on it, being that you are the host of the Loaded Box podcast, uh, which will be debuting on YouTube sometime this week. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'm I'm the champion, Kyle. Look at me. I'm the champ. I'm the champ. Uh, (laughs) But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow Pitts on Twitter at Pat underscore Pitts. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And leave those five-star ratings and reviews with your thoughts about Philly, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Union, Wings, Survivor, whatever it may be, because Survivor's coming back too soon, guys. The real ones know Pitts who stick around during Survivor season. The ones who stick around at the end of the show with me and Matt breaking down Survivor know that that has just become an installment of Underground Sports Philadelphia over the last two seasons of Survivor. So get ready for Survivor season, everybody. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast feed. Apple, Spotify, like I said, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. You get full video episodes of Underground Sports Philadelphia, the Outside the Box podcast, Top Bins, Get in the Hole, Streamer Season. You'll be getting full video episodes of Loaded Box, The Dan Russo Show, Eagles Enemies. That's eight fucking podcasts on one YouTube channel. That's better than any cable TV station. It's like every night of Hanukkah just wrapped up into one channel. With a nice fancy bow. Especially if you click subscribe. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon so you don't miss a single video we're putting out there on the channel. And uh, comment down below your thoughts on the Phils, the Union, Montrez Harrell being a Philadelphia 76er. Like we'll get into later on in the show. Your predictions for this Eagle season. And anything else that comes to mind, leave it in the comment section below. Shout out to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, Pickup, the best place to play and place those prop bets at playpickup.com. We'll get to them later on in the show. Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Pitts, uh, I haven't told you my story of driving home from Boston. You have not. Um, it was a, a smooth drive outside of a few like flash flood rainstorms. But yeah, we've been got home, DJ and I, to, to Vineland, to the humble abode at about 1230 in the morning. Me thinking, oh, federal holiday, Labor Day. I'm normally off from the day job that helps me pay the bills. No, no, we booked DJ's flight like three weeks ago-ish. No, 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 no. Your boy had to work on Labor Day. Uh, I was laboring away, if you will. So DJ's flight was at 7 a.m. in Philadelphia. Had to wake up and leave my house at 4.30 in the morning after getting home at 12.30 in the morning. Drive to Philly, airport about 45, 50 minutes away. Come back home, get home about 6.20, and then have to wake up at 9.20 to leave to go and work for five hours. Uh, I'm still recovering. That's why this episode's a little late as well. Um, 
But not yeah. all heroes wear capes, man. Tomahawk Shades has come in clutch with the blue light plus glasses. Also, unbeknownst to me, they just released new sun uh, sunglasses named after your boy. The Bennett class is available oh! now. I wish they would have consoled me on them because they're not really my style, but they might be yours. So go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP at checkout for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, you guys see the new fresh Kenny rope hat on my head if you're watching on the YouTubes. Uh, go check out the merch store because they got the rope hats and they got the It's a Bad Day to Be a Kenny shirts, which are phenomenal. Uh, and also use that all new and improved Kenny tracker at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Bino Board. It's almost World Cup season, guys. It's a weird year. World Cup happening in the fall this year. Um, but, of course, Bino Board is the next big tabletop game for your man cave, your she shed, your tailgates this football season. If you're going to union games, you should be bringing a Bino Board with you. Think paper fo football meets foosball. And, yes, you've got Bino. Bino Board is a game and lifestyle brand based in Phoenix, Arizona. And their goal is to provide the highest quality boards and a true brand experience. Every part of their boards has been tested time and time again for the best possible playability so that every Flickr's experience is a positive one. Bring the world to uh, bring your worlds together with Bino and hear someone's story from the other side of the pitch. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com and use code BinoUSP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 10% off your order. And that includes... Pits, I don't know if you saw this on their Instagram. They Bino will be releasing every single week leading up to the World Cup a new board for every team that is in the World Cup. That's just great marketing. That's it's just fantastic. Great marketing. It will come with a limited edition 2022 World Cup inspired Ooh. travel case. So go to BinoBoard.com, get your hands on those. Use code BinoUSP for 10% off your order, including the World Cup boards. Team USA and Team Mexico merch. Uh, you can get custom boards. DJ has a custom board coming his way for his birthday that just passed this past weekend. Uh, so go to BinoBoard.com. That's code BinoUSP, B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P, for 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. Pitts, let's get into it. The Phil's West Coast road trip was an absolute disaster. I was no. following along for most of it while I was at in Foxborough at Gillette. And just screaming, can the Phils win one fucking game? Can they win one fucking game? They get swept by the Giants. They lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks. Just a nightmare series on the West Coast uh, of those games. And right now, as we record this on Tuesday night, uh, they were winning 2-1 to one in a dominant Aaron Nola start. I'm going to read off his stat line for you here nice. because it's absolutely disgusting. He went six and two thirds, gave up four hits, one earned run, two walks, 10 strikeouts on 97 pitches. Uh, but unfortunately, the ball game's now tied up and it is 2 2 in the eighth oh. inning. Uh, so the Phils need to uh, put some runs on the board. It's been tough, though. Nick Cassianos now on the injured list with an oblique injury. <laughs> Uh, Bryce Harper limited to only playing DH, so that kind of limits your outfield possibilities. Uh, you know, Zach Wheeler's on the injured list. It's just the the injuries right now are hitting the fills a little too hard, and uh, they need to figure some things out quickly because the Padres obviously are not going away. You're in a dogfight with them for the second or third wild card spot. Um, 
But even after a horrendous road trip, according to fan graphs, the Phillies still have a 76% chance to make the playoffs. We've been hot so far in the second half of the season. Yeah. And, I mean, from what I've seen, at least, they've been able to win series. But, like, I don't know. From I, I'm also in a weird way where I'm following the Phillies for a kind of a degenerate way uh, where I'm in a runs pool. And the pool is you have – the team has to score – uh, one to f- 12 runs and they can't go over it. So that night, like we were texting and the they won 18 to two, 18 to two. You, you couldn't have stopped at 12. You just why you see like, maybe that's why you are struggling right now is could you hit 18 runs Slow without down. hitting a home run. They scored 18 runs without hitting a home run. Okay. Tyler, that's kind of impressive. Very. Like, that's really impressive. Very impressive. Oh, well, I'm going to, pump the brakes a little bit on my little ranting but no like this is i have a weird thing with sports where like if you score too many or like you run up the score in one game like it has that trickle effect where you just struggle and can't hit maybe that's what they're going through right now maybe that's it's weird it. uh and even with their recent struggles they're four and six in their last 10 uh yeah, they're still 73 and 61 which is 12 games over 500 good. Uh, they were never going to win the division, obviously, but, you know, it has created room for the Braves, who are just on a fucking tear right now, uh, to gain a ton of ground on the New York Mets in the division race, um, which kind of scares me because if the Phillies end up with the second wild card, I don't know if you know how the baseball playoffs are working now. We just recently discovered it because of that added wild card in both division in both mm-hmm. leagues. Um, so this is how the wild card round is working for the people who haven't listened recently and for Pitts. So it will be uh, division winner number three. So whoever has the worst record of the three division winners will play in wild card weekend. They will host the number three wild card team. So right now it would be the Cardinals in the National League would host the Padres in uh, in that first game. But here's the kicker. All three games, it's a best of three now instead of that single best of one game that we used to have so now it's best of three which i'm a fan of but i'm not a fan of this the cardinals would host all three games uh, not a fan of that i wish it was a one 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 see i understand why they do it because i do too it's, it's, it's limiting and... travel it's the yeah. wild card it's the best of three but i do hate that like it is a full-fledged home field advantage of three straight games especially if the padres in that instance were able to win one yeah, there's got to be a better way to kind of figure that out. But same kind of instance with the other wild card teams. So that would be the one wild card uh, matchup. Same thing in the American League as well. It'd be the number three division winner and the number three wild card. And then it's the number one wild card against the number two wild card. And the number one wild card hosts all three games. So, okay, my, my gripe here is that I need the Braves to slow down, and I need them. Oddly enough. I need the Mets to win the National League East. Because because that would give the Mets the number two division winner slot in the National League playoffs. And then the Braves would be the number one wild card. And the Mm -hmm. Phillies, if they hold on to that number two wild card spot, would play the Braves. Who this season, the Phillies have had much more success against the Atlanta Braves than they have against the New York Mets. And I like to play numbers. I like to play optics. 
I'd much rather play a team that you've had more success against in the playoffs where it truly matters than playing against the team that you've absolutely been abysmal against. Not to mention the Mets have Jacob deGrom pitching with a cyborg arm who I'm fully convinced he's just been out because they've been putting, you know, the winter soldiers vibranium arm on him so he can throw it, you know, 2000 miles an hour. Yeah. And then Max Scherzer, who's just a psychopath. Um, so I'd much rather play against the Braves because, in my opinion, the Phillies can go toe-to-toe and just outslug the Braves if need be. And the Phillies have better pitching than the Braves. Now, to that, me, like, that's where I'm at with that. So do the Braves have heavy hitters? Yeah. So the like Braves have, obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. They have Ozzy Albies. They have Dansby Swanson. They have Matt Olson, who replaced Freddie Freeman uh, when he left to go to the Dodgers. They traded for Olsen. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, Austin Riley. You know, they have big heavy hitters. They have Marcelo Zuna, but I don't know if he's playing because he just recently got pulled over for DUI. I did see that. Crazy yeah. shit. Um, so, I mean, they have heavy hitters, mm-hmm. but their pitching does not equate to what their hitting does, per se. Like, they have oh, okay. they, they have good pitching, but not, like, this all-world elite caliber pitching. They have beatable yeah. pitchers. Um, but I think the Phillies in a three-game series, if you're throwing... Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and either Ranger Suarez or Noah Syndergaard in there, the Phillies can win two out of three. Yeah, that's actually now you now that you mentioned that that trade for Thor at the trade deadline, Thor! Just, dude, just that just makes it so much better. I don't know. That's just like that's one of those moves that you have to make at the deadline where you prepare yourself for a situation like this. You know, yeah, what if now what Zach if, Eflin was pitching today before the game? He was getting warm up tosses in against Phillies hitters, hasn't pitched in months. Now that you acquired Cindergard, you have Ranger Suarez pitching as well as he has. Zach Eflin can go to the bullpen and be a two inning guy out of the bullpen while he's still kind of low key recovering from this yeah. knee issue he has, and you're not putting as much stress on his knees. Depth. That's all you want. Championship team, they have depth. I'm exactly. So I'd much rather play the Braves. So the Braves need to slow down a little bit, and the Mets. Please just fucking win the division so I don't have to worry about you. And then the Dodgers can wipe the floor with you. Well, if you uh, got Edwin Diaz coming in to save the game. I, I don't think. All right. I need your opinion as a Phillies fan on this closer entrance, how it's gone viral, because I have my own thoughts about it. One, it is electric. Like, let's, you know, let's put it where it is. It's unbelievable. It is electric, the whole entrance as a WWE wrestling guy like that plays right into my wheelhouse however it's been done before it's been done a lot and I just don't get why now it's becoming like this whole thing where like here's here's my thing Mariano Rivera made it famous with Enter Sandman it blew up one I think it's the most overrated thing in baseball right now the Edwin Diaz thing okay it blew up because of the camera angle that SNY is using. Somebody in the press box said this at Gillette when we were there for the PLL, and it made something in my brain click, and I was like, yes, that's true. It could be any song that he's walking out to. It's the camera. It's the Joe Burrow running out of the tunnel at LSU on senior day camera angle that everybody's infatuated with. It's following Edwin Diaz from behind as he runs out, making it this spectacle. Yeah, and he goes on the beat too, so yeah. it could be any song. If he was going on the beat, it just yeah, it, it's it's aesthetically pleasing to the eye. So I see where you're pointing from is. that camera angle, and yes. 
this past weekend or whenever it was recently, they had Timmy Trumpet perform it live at the state at, at City Field during a regular season game. Now, yeah. now yeah. if I'm if I'm the Mets and I'm Edwin Diaz and we know we're going to make the playoffs, why would you blow your load that quickly and have that happen in an August or early September game when you could have had City Field ready to erupt? and cause like a cataclysmic earthquake had you done that during the playoffs. But that's just the Mets being the Mets and not being aware of their surroundings and not being used to being this good as they are reflecting of their record right now because they're the cicadas. They come around every 19 years, they make some noise, they buzz around, and then they disappear. They are the cicadas. This is a cicada year for the Mets. Okay, I'm with you there. But I think the Edwin Diaz thing is so overrated, especially when you find out that the Braves catcher, William Contreras, Wilson Contreras' brother, his walk-up song is the same fucking song. It's not like this song is exclusive to Edwin Diaz and he's the only one using it. No, you have a catcher in the same division on a team that's fighting for the division title with you using the same song as his walk-up song. That's tough. That's tough. tough scene. Tough scene. That is just imagine being that guy being like, "Yeah, I've done this. This is my walk-up song forever," and you're getting overshadowed by the closer for the Mets. That's tough. tough. There's that's there's been tough. way cooler walk-up songs too. Like you said, Mariano Rivera, Enter Sandman, fantastic. Uh, even when Jonathan Papelbon was with the Phillies, he walked out to for who the bell tolls. Well, he came out to shipping up to Boston. Yeah, like, that was like the, that was the most, and it was like the. The screen, it was like the whole presentation of it was so ahead of its time in my eyes because, like, it just made him a larger than life character. Where, yeah, I get the same idea with Diaz, and I'm not gonna, I mean, I, I agree, he is when you do that, but it's just, I don't like how it's gone viral for the same reasons that the other guys, and it's like, as you put it, it's the angle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is sick. Like, I, I, to be honest, I think I like the song more than the entrance. <laughs> like, I just, that song has became, like, blasted on my gym playlist now. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't, under, you, you kind of put it in a good perspective there. Is why would you waste Timmy Trumpet to come out in, like, September? And why wouldn't you do it in October, game three of whatever series, and make it into this, like, larger than life moment in the playoffs where like it's a random afternoon like people are just gonna remember oh yeah he played it one time no that's gonna met exactly which uh perfect segue into you know the mets the braves the phillies it is the nl east run differential brought to you by the pals over at pickup you guys can go to playpickup.com start playing the hottest headlines in sports nfl season right around the corner get your your preseason you know, season-long props in for the NFL, get your playoff props for baseball, preseason NBA, college football, everything is available at playpickup.com. Rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace, working on getting some text codes available because I've seen them starting to roll out for people, so working on getting our text codes so we don't have to do this whole mumbo-jumbo wordsmith stuff. You can just text this number, and boom, here's our props. Uh, cause you know, we're not really, we're not really bloggers. 
We, we give you the video and podcast content. So if you can just text the number on your phone, it's that easy. But go to playpickup.com, start playing those headlines. Pitts, the Atlanta Braves have overtaken the Mets since you've last been on the show wow. in the NL East run differential. Uh, although they're still in second place only by a game, uh, the Braves at a plus 155 run differential this season. The Mets now at a plus 121. The Phillies still standing pat in third place in the NL East and third place in the NL East run differential at plus 65. The Miami Marlins at a minus 92. And the stolen franchise no longer in the basement of the Major League run differential. Washington Nationals still at a whopping minus 200 in the run differential department. But... The Pittsburgh Pirates, which is great for me, and a season-long prop bet that I placed all the way back in March that the Pirates would have the worst record in baseball. It's getting closer. I'm sorry, Pirates fans. I'm sorry that I'm rooting for your team to be bad, but in the end, it'll be good for you because you'll get a better draft pick. Uh, The Pirates... One fan, really. I mean, do you know anyone that is a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? That's valid. I can't name you one. I mean, I know one because she was my teacher at... Uh, Quinnipiac, that's it. That's really, I've never met another Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And I know a lot of people from Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Pirates sit at a negative 209 run differential <laughs> on the season. They are, uh, I believe, two games, if my math is mathing, behind the Nationals in terms of uh, getting to that elusive worst record in baseball, which will be great for me. Uh, and then leading the way in run differential this season are the LA Dodgers at a whopping plus 291 run differential wow. on the season and pitch just for for laughs for you your boston red oh, sox only at a minus 45 okay okay i'll take that i'll take that minus 45 is not bad but they are the only team in the al east with a negative run differential well we that's a stacked division i that we said this on the last division. episode both east div- divisions american and national league this year are stacked to the nines and going to be represented by three teams in the playoffs this year that's crazy respectfully that's crazy Mets Braves Phillies more than likely all making the playoffs and then some combination of Yankees Rays Blue Jays or Orioles making the playoffs ew Orioles making the playoffs to me just sounds gross that just sounds like they're only four and a half back of Toronto for that wild that number three wild card I mean they've had just a a hell of a summer a miracle summer you want to know I saw a wild stat on Twitter today, the Orioles are now 0-7 in games where Anthony Santander hits two, uh, hit, has a multi-home run game. He's oh, they're, they're 0-7? 0-7 in games where he has That's a multi-homer terrible. game. It's the longest such stretch in Major League history. That is just ridiculous. How does the, the guy hit two home runs and it's like, oh, we lost? Yeah, 0-7. Jeez, That's brutal. The, uh, the other fun part about this postseason, though, is going to be that if everything were to stand as it is, both American League and National League longest postseason droughts would come to an end because the Philly. Mariners the Mariners are set to make the playoffs for the first time since 2001. Nice. They have not nice. been in the playoffs in over 20 years. Give them a clap. I'll clap it up for the Mariners. That was, that was the my oh my Mariners with like Griffey and oh, they yeah, lost they in the, the first round. <laughs> Yeah, like that's the thing is that you could be the best team in the regular season, but then shit the bed. I yeah, mean, and they haven't been back to the playoffs since. That's a curse win. I mean, that is a curse already. But which, 
If both of those were lifted, do you know who would have the longest postseason drought in baseball? Um, Your squad, if I remember correctly, knocked them out of the playoffs the last time they were in the playoffs. Oh, um, Tigers? No, more West. More West. A's? Same division. Angels? Yes. Really? The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have not been to the playoffs since 2015. Wow. Mike Trout's only postseason appearance. See, that's the thing, not to go off on a tangent here, but this is the one thing I don't understand about baseball, is that they have two Babe Ruths of our generation, which in any sport to have two of that type of athlete is remarkable on any team. And it makes no sense that they are like one of the worst teams in baseball. Like that, like how do you have two Babe Ruth, or whatever, generational athletes on the same team? That not only are they just hitters, like Otani is a an elite pitcher, and they still can't get it done. I don't that that, that makes no sense to me. Sorry, I stand I stand corrected. Uh, 2014 was the one time the Angels went to the playoffs with Mike Trout on the team, which was their last appearance. Uh, they lost to the Kansas City Royals. Ew. Because that was the year that they uh, won the World Series. Okay. All right. But, yeah, that was Mike Trout's Trout's age 22 season was when they last went to the playoffs. Mike Trout is now 30. Ooh. So they wasted all of his 20s not making the postseason. That's, like, tough. Like, if if I'm Mike Trout, I would be rip shit. Like rip shit, and wanting a way out there somehow. Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand how you, a team has that guy, and just doesn't do anything with it. And now they're and trying to sell it. the team, like the legit team, or just like mm-hmm. rebuild. Oh, like sell, like ownership. Sell good, good. They should if they can't get Mike Trout and Shio, what Otani, Shohei Otani, Shohei yeah. Otani to a playoff, at least an appearance. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, What else is wild is we teased it at the top of the show. Uh, Obviously, everybody's favorite Sixers bench player, Furkan Korkmaz, is uh, playing in the Eurobasket tournament overseas. And he's absolutely lighting the world on fire over there. Um, But apparently, Pitts, uh, Korkmaz says he was attacked by Georgian players and police after a heated Eurobasket game. This happened... Uh, the story came out on Monday, uh, and it's Philadelphia 76ers guard. This comes from Yahoo Sports. Uh, Ryan Young wrote this article. Uh, Korkmaz was thrown out of the game on Sunday in uh, Belize, Georgia, after he picked up two technical fouls following an altercation with Georgia's Duda Sanadzi. Sorry for the pronunciations. Uh, Things got so heated that fans even started throwing things onto the court while the two players were being separated. Korkmaz said he was attacked by both members of the Georgian national team and Georgian national police after he was ejected from Turkey's game against Georgia at the Eurobasket tournament on Sunday. Dude, like, what do you have to do to get the police on the court? Like, this seems like another malice in the palace type of deal. Like, this just is ridiculous to me. How are you getting this intense over EuroLeague basketball, and what did he possibly do that could have had that much of an uproar? The the video of them going 
at each other their foreheads were touching they're yelling they're like starting to like jump at each other and everything like that's incredible pretty wild shit fans were throwing cups onto the court uh and then turkey's coach said that they came there to play basketball not to box uh just an all-time quote and um they're also protesting the game because they feel like uh too much time was taken off the clock in the fourth quarter as well uh, just a wild scene in Eurobasket going on. A bunch of players from the NBA playing in Eurobasket as well. Nikola Jokic is playing over there. Luka Doncic is playing. My God. Uh, I believe Giannis is playing as well. Furkan Korkmaz is playing at an all-star level over there. And uh, he's also catching the smoke from the Georgian national team and police, which is just insane to me. See, the thing, the thing that stands out to me, what you said, was, or what we talked about it before, was that this wasn't just like, yeah, he got thrown out, crazy scene, whatever. No, they're protesting the game because it went into double overtime. It was a nail-biter. 88-83 final score. For That's very low scoring for double overtime. Granted, but it is it is FIBA. It's not NBA. It is different. It's different rules. Tomato, potato. But, yeah, like, it's just, to me... Like this, the the story of the game is being overshadowed by Corkmas. Where like they should protest the game because this, because like it took double overtime, they still lost. Oh, you know let's all I mean? let's like, also not hit. forget uh, Turkey's coach Ergen Ataman was also ejected in the second overtime and was replaced by uh, assistant coach Hakan Demir. Oh, so everyone was just getting their asses tossed. This is incredible. It's just an unreal story. Hopefully, Furkan Korkmaz is okay. Um, but just like I feel like that is such a a lack of accountability and responsibility on the the hands of the police over there. Like to be getting involved in something with shit that's going on on the court is pretty ridiculous and shouldn't be occurring. And that's just like a to me, that's just a failure in terms of, like, safety and precaution for the yeah. entire tournament. Because, like, who's to say if, you know, somebody from Turkey was in the stands that was, you know, not Furkan Korkmaz, but some type of altercation happens there. What happens to that fan if they meet the police and, you know, other members of, of the the um, the Georgian national team or whomever in that hallway or wherever they're being escorted to? Who oh, knows yeah. what happens? Like, it's a very weird situation, um, but hopefully Furkan's okay. But just an insane story uh, that, that I felt Pitts would absolutely love. And when Do I told I... him, like, the, the synopsis of it before we started recording, his eyes were bulging out of his head the entire time. Dude, they still are. It's one of the most absurd stories I've heard in so long. Like, what caused, first off, you didn't even mention that the game ended in double overtime. But when you first started this, like you're like, yeah, he got kicked out, and then told him, like, what the hell did he do? And then you didn't, you went, to, oh yeah, and the final score was this in double overtime. Like that must have been in an absolute electric game, and then you throw in that drama, like all Stupid. time, all time, just crazy shit. Um, and hopefully Furcon's all good because Six are gonna need him, just like they're getting a new backup center to come into the fold and make people question so many things because we thought it was going to be the Charles Bassey and B-Ball Paul show behind Joel Embiid going into this year. Well, Monster Trez is here. Montrez Harrell signs a, I believe, two-year contract, uh, according to Woj, 
with the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm going to pull up the tweet here from Woj, dropping the Woj bomb tonight. Uh, yes, a two-year, $5.2 million deal with the 76ers. So Monster Trez reunited with Doc Rivers uh, in Philadelphia now. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Trez. I think he's a very fun, just like in-your-face, like fan favorite kind of like tough guy, gritty guy that every basketball team needs. Like I, I group Trez in kind of like the the category that you'd put like the Morris twins in, that you'd put like, you know, that scrappy guy who's going to, you know, ignite the team when they need that boot. Similar to Mike Scott when he was with the Sixers, like very similar ilk in my brain where I put Trez in terms of like that type of teammate. Um, like he's the type of guy that you hate when he's on another team, but when he's on your squad, you fucking love it. Cause you know, he's going to ride or die for your squad. Um, I'm excited. He's, he's been one of my favorite players like of, of that, you know, bench type guy, backup big man guy. Uh, and now he's with the Sixers and I think it's a, it's a solid move for the Sixers. He's got familiarity with doc and Sam Cassell when they were with the Clippers together. Um, and you know, it's just good news for Joel to just have another, you know, quality backup who can do some fun things with some guys that are on this team. Well, he, that's the thing too is that he's a great backup for Embiid when he gets into foul trouble or just needs a rest because you said, it, you know, he's a good defender. He's not someone who's going to put up flashy numbers on the stat uh, on the stat sheet. He's going to be someone that is defending hard in the paint and can go up against those bigger guys, try to get boards which is exactly what the 76ers need. You know, you need size coming off the bench. And not only that, like, the fan favorite element is such a huge factor, especially in home games. I mean, you see that guy pop off the bench. He, the crowd goes off of those type of players. And if they're making great plays and getting the crowd behind it, it's that's another element to the whole uh, home court advantage. And you say if he... You need players, especially two, that vibe well with the coach that the coach can win over the locker room. And, I mean, if you have a guy that is like Trez who's respected on both sides, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, he tweeted that he's going back to his signature number five that he wore with the Clippers. Uh, He spent last year between the Wizards and the Hornets. Uh, And last year's stats were not bad. Like, for the type of player that Trez is at this point in his career where – he is he's going into his age 29 season, um, which he's younger than I thought he was. But last year, 71 games between the Wizards and Hornets, averaged 13.1 points per game, uh, 6.1 total rebounds per game, and 2 assists per game. Field goal percentage was 64.5, shot 23.5% from 3, made almost 72% of his free throws, like that's quality production for a guy who's, you know, a backup big man who's going to be on a playoff contender, who's going to be around guys. Like, I know you're not a fan of, of the guy sitting behind me, but he's going to be on this team doing big things. He's going to be with Tyrese Maxey. He's going to be with Joel Embiid. I, I like this move a lot. And I will it limit Charles Bassey? Will it limit B-Ball Paul in some aspects? Maybe. But I still think those guys will get quality rotation minutes. B-Ball Paul tweeted tonight that, you know, he's good over here because someone was, like, fire Doc. And, well, I do agree with that. Uh, you know, B-Ball Paul seems it. to be fine. So I can't hate him, my guy, Doc Rivers. I, I forever love Doc Rivers. 
Uh, so I well, Doc never... Rivers still thinks he's 2008 Doc Rivers in 2022-2023, so... I think he's 2008 Doc Rivers, so well, I think that's the issue. You enjoy that, because he's certainly not. But I like this signing of, of Montrez Harrell. I think it's a, a quality signing. Um, we'll see how it goes, and I'm even a little more intrigued knowing that he's only going to be 29 going into this year. He's um, 29? He's my age. <laughs> Bro, I didn't know that. Yeah. Bro, I thought he was like 32. He's been in the league since he was 22 years old when he debuted with wow. Houston. This is this – is, here it is. I totally forgot he played for the Rockets his first two years in the league. I did too. I did this too. is just another Daryl Morey going after a former Houston Rocket that he was with. Oh, back in the theory. I mean, because you're really connecting dots here. I'm going to read this off for you, Pitts. Oh, okay. The Sixers offseason moves have included the following. Obviously, they extended James Harden. Obviously, Obviously Daryl traded for him last year. So that was the beginning of, of the James Harden-Daryl Morey connections with yeah. the Rockets and everything. Um, let's pull up the roster here. Sixers roster. So so then the Sixers also went out and got P.J. Tucker in free agency. Yes, we, we talked about that. I was on the show last for that. Yes, formerly with the Houston Rockets it's, at one point. Uh, he was the center for the Houston Rockets yes. at one point. <laughs> Sixers also went and got Daniel House this offseason, who, to famously rejog your memory, was the player from the Houston Rockets who got kicked out of the NBA bubble for bringing in somebody oh. to his hotel room. Bro, he's just grinding out here. It's hard in the streets. Uh, the next player, Trevlin Queen, also was drafted by the Rockets. DeAnthony Melton, traded for when we traded Danny Green on draft night, uh, was drafted by the Houston Rockets when Daryl was with the Rockets. That's so funny. And then... Yeah, that was the the last one. And now today, Montrez Harrell, now back with Daryl Morey, James Harden, and the Houston Sixer Rockets. That's so funny. That's so funny. You guys are just, like, I mean, to be fair, that Rockets team could have won the finals. And to be fair, we have a younger, more agile Chris Paul. In Tyrese Maxey. Oh, good. I thought you were about to say someone that I've never heard of, and I was about to be like, who, what? But no, yes, I would I would agree. Max who is just a – he's the king of the city now. No, he – Goes I mean, to the Phillies game earlier, you know, the past couple weeks. Then he goes to the Union game, bangs the drum at the Union game, and the Union win. Like, he's the king of Philadelphia right now. I mean, it's a good place to be with him, and especially the guys he's playing with. You get Harden and Bede. Him, I mean, he's very athletic, and what he does better than I think Chris Paul does is he's a better pure score. Not, you know what I mean? But so, like, if you can pair that with Harden and Bede, like, get those three going, it's going to make uh, it tough for my guys up north here in Boston to make some noise. I'll make some good games, though. See, that's what I like. Is I like Opening games. nights against Celtics for the Sixers. God. Well, do you hear who the Celtics might be trading for? No. I'll give you a hint. One member one member of the uh, Banana Squad, Banana Boat Squad. Who, Carmelo Anthony? 
damn right. <laughs> Good he's luck. going. To, he's going to replace Danilo Gallinari, who tore his ACL. Yeah, it sucks for you guys. It, it does suck. I'm not gonna lie to you. I actually was really excited to see him play. But if we get mellow, I to be fair, there's never been a there has not been a time in my life where I've said, you know what, Mello would make a good addition to the Celtics roster this year. This is the first year I can confidently say that, that it would not be a bad addition to the roster. Mello being a New York guy, being a Syracuse guy, and then going to the Celtics seems so sacrilegious. Well, I mean, I mean, Paul Pierce grew up in Inglewood, and it was a Celtic. Fair. I mean, but I mean, yeah. also, Mello also did the whole Knicks thing and – Oh, well, yeah, that's the other thing. He wasted his career away with the Knicks a little bit. Valid. And then, uh, you know, couldn't win anything. But now he comes to Boston, learns what winning is, plays with Tatum. I'm just so happy that the Knicks did not get Donovan Mitchell. Me too. I'm just very so happy. So happy. I, I, I don't really. Knicks fans do Knicks. not deserve happiness. That's the thing is I don't hate the Knicks. I just something about Knicks fans. They're just so obnoxious for no reason for a team that has done absolutely nothing. Yes. Nothing. Over the last 30 years. I can't tell you the last time they won a playoff series. They got one taste of the playoffs a couple years ago when they played the Hawks and everything, when side talk blew up and everything, which they do great work, but Knicks fans like they they thought, oh, this is it. This is the team. Julius Randle's gonna be a superstar, and then he comes back down to earth and does what Julius Randle does. Yeah. And then they give R.J. Barrett 120 million dollars, and they sign my guy Jalen Brunson, which broke my heart to a max contract as well. Uh, and they that that's their big splash. Kemba. Not that Jalen Brunson's a bad player, but he's not the guy you build your team around. Well, they have um, I'm a Brown breaker. Uh, they just they signed Kemba Walker too, and I mean I'm, yeah, I'm not he gonna, did nothing. <laughs> he's done nothing. He's just like one of those guys where he is the college player. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just a perennial. Everyone just thinks player. of of Kemba at UConn and think that's the player he is, and it's just not the case he's anymore. He's Never gonna be that again. We've seen it. I tried. I tried to root for it. I couldn't. That's why when he left, I was like, all right, happy trails because it just it doesn't fit. And his style kind of outdated in this league right now. And I don't even think that it's his style. It's just like he's been so injured that it's debilitated what his game once was. That's, yeah. And he's just a slower player. It's very similar to like Derrick Rose. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, if there was one thing in basketball history I could rewrite, it would be Derrick Rose never getting hurt. But, yeah, the, you could say that. You, you, could say, you could say that like it's the same thing in a way. Because once you rec- once you go through that injury, I mean, how long did it take him to get recovered with the Celtics? And he barely made it for the Eastern Conference Finals, or East- yeah, Eastern Conference Finals. Like, you really want to trust that if you're the Knicks? You know what I mean? Like, it just it's not a good look. It's tough. Uh, last little NBA thing. Obviously, Patrick Beverly gets traded to the Lakers a couple weeks ago. Uh, did you see his quote today when he met with the media? I did. I don't fucking. I hate Papev. I'm sorry. I did, did you hear what he said? I, I heard a lot of quotes. What they what's said. One of, one of the reporters said, "So you 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 get to play with LeBron James and oh, Anthony Davis?" And he said, "No, they get to play with me." No, they get to play with me. <laughs> I made the playoffs. They didn't. <laughs> what a yeah. fucking quote. That was an unbelievable line. Like I will give him that. Like there are little spurts of 
greatness where he does speak like that and has great quotes. But, like, dude, I just can't stand him. Like, he just is this talking little head that just, yeah, he may say his work backs up his play. Or, his, yeah, his play backs up his talk. But I just, I don't get it. I don't care. I just, I mean, I, I just. That's right, you little, and DJ have something in common about the NBA. He hates bro, Pat I Bev. Can't, I can't stand Pat Bev. He has denounced his following of the Lakers this year because, obviously, he's a big LeBron, LeBron James fan. LeBron, he's a LeBron fan. He's denounced his following of the Lakers and is full-fledged on the Pistons this year. Nice! Someone's back with me on the Pistons. Let's go! Kate Cunningham, baby! The uh, the team that everybody, though, should be watching right now in Philadelphia pits is the Philadelphia Union, who, even though you're a New England, you're a Boston guy, and you've, you've got the New England Revolution who... Go Revs, go! Are, they're whatever, the seven seed. I feel like you'd be a huge Union guy. Probably. They uh they have the best goalie in the league, in my opinion. Andre Blake. Brickwell Blake. Start. Stud. Start. Uh, and they currently have a whopping East Conference leading 60 points tied with LAFC for the supporter shield. And I've been saying this for probably about three weeks, maybe yeah. longer. I brought it up to Matt. I said, do you think that the Union... This was probably when the Union were... At 44 points, and LAFC was at 50. Somewhere around there. I asked Matt. I said, it's not that far off. Like, do you think the Union could catch up and, you know, win the Supporter Shield? Which, for everybody out there, the Union won the Supporter Shield in 2020, which is the best regular season record award that you get uh, in MLS. And he said, you know, it's going to be tough because LAFC brought in a bunch of you know transfer portal guys from the Premier League to come play for them because they just have the money. It's LA. They have all the investors from the celebrities and shit, so they can just bring in all the players that they want and whoever wants to come play for them. Uh, breaking news: The Phillies just beat the Marlins in the bottom of the ninth inning, three to two. Thanks to the boy Jimmy Siggs, Gene Segura with a single that scores Bryce Harper, and the Phillies win three to two. Let's fucking go, boys! Uh, but the Union now tied with LAFC for the best points total in all of MLS, both of them with 60, and uh, this Union team just keeps rolling. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, maybe last week's show. Pitts, the MLS record for most uh, wins by six or more goals is now held by the Philadelphia Union. No way. All right. They have four of such games. All of those games have happened in 2022. And when they happened, happened in a 10-game span. <laughs> wow. There's an MLS record. That is... In a 10-game span, they have, they have beaten four teams by six or more goals. That is so stupid. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Someone's got to up the difficulty or something. Like this is they, they're playing on all Madden while they're playing against somebody that's on rookie. Yeah, um, that's incredible. The next closest team is three, and they most recently did that in 2018, and I believe they did it in like 1999 as well. Oh. Oh, and then there was yeah, a bunch of teams that did it twice, but the Union have done it four times. In a in ten one. game span in one season. That's that's just fucking incredible. It's next level dominance. That's just fucking incredible. That's the just Union 
they're on a roll right now. They won uh, on Saturday against the New York Red Bulls up in North Jersey, 2-0. Another good shutout there. Um, knock on wood, they have not lost since that unfortunate loss back on August 6th. It's been a month now, officially, since the Union have lost a match uh, to Cincinnati 3-1. to But before that, the last time the Union lost a match, Pitts, all the way back on June 29th, they lost one nothing to Chicago. Wow, that is a long time ago. They also had a, a 0-0 draw to Columbus on July 3rd, uh, which gets you one point yeah, in really the standings. But yeah. two losses in a two-month span, pretty much. It's that's pretty ridiculous. That's, that is like dominant. And like, they have just... five matches left on the schedule. They play again this coming Saturday at home against Orlando City. Then they go on the road the following Saturday against Atlanta United, who pits. They are currently, Atlanta is the 11th uh, seeded team in the East out of 14 teams in the East. Ooh, okay. So that's good. That's good in terms no, of playing great. a poor opponent. Uh, for the supporter shield, then they have a match which I don't know if this match goes in favor of their points and their record and everything against Pachuca. I think it's just like a friendly, but I will have to ask uh, some of my my union peeps that are more knowledgeable on that if that counts towards anything. Then they play Charlotte on October first, and then they wrap up the season at home October 9th against Toronto, uh, which those two teams. Charlotte is the 12th team in the East out of 14, and Toronto is the 10th ranked team oh, so they, out of 14. They, they, they could this coming match on Saturday is their most difficult on paper matchup in terms of where teams are seeded in the East, with Orlando being the five seed. And obviously, you know, you're going toe to toe with LAFC for the Supporter Shield, who are the other team with 60. The Union and LAFC are the only teams in all of MLS with at least 60 points. Uh, the next closest, I believe, are Montreal and Austin FC. They both have 51 in their respective conference. So these are the remaining matches for LAFC. This Saturday, they play FC Dallas, who I believe are the number three seed in the in the uh, the Western Conference. So tough match up there. Then LA has to play Minnesota on Tuesday, September 13th. So quick turnaround time as well. From uh, that Saturday match, which Minnesota is the number five team in the Western Conference. Then they play the Houston Dynamo, who are pretty bad. They're the worst team in the West, so they get a kind of easy matchup on paper. Then they play Portland on October 2nd, and Portland is the seventh ranked team in the West. And then LA finishes on October 9th against Nashville who are the number four team in the West. And Nashville's given them some trouble this year as well. So realistically, there's a good chance the Union could wind up winning the Supporter Shield if LAFC hits some roadblocks here against some of these top-tier ranked teams in the West. They could. They could. I mean, you just said it. They have the a tougher schedule ahead of them. And I mean, when you're the Union, you're playing teams that are 10th, 12 you know 11th 12th whatever it's nice and especially what you're saying maybe this is i had this thought pop in maybe they could get a fifth 
or it's what is maybe they can get a fifth where they win by six or more. That'd be pretty nice. That'd be it's sick. very possible. I think it's it's with what you said, it's pretty possible. I would absolutely love if they continued to add to that dominance. Um, we'll see what they do this Saturday against Orlando and hopefully pick up another three points. But Matt has said time and time again, this is the best union team he's ever seen. They currently sit at 19 and seven. Uh, or I'm sorry, that's uh, LAFC's record. The union sit at 17 and four with nine draws on the year and their goal differential pits. They've scored 63 goals this year and it only allowed 21. That's dominant. 42 in the goal differential positivity there, which is the best goal differential in all of Major League Soccer. Absolutely blows LAFC out of the water, who only have a 27 goal differential on the year. The next closest goal differential in the East, in terms of just how dominant the Union have been, is NYCFC, who have a plus 13 run. Uh, Goal differential. Goes <laughs> run yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, that is numbers don't lie. Filthy. I'm, I'm just Filthy. like I'm just baffled by the numbers. That's really it. Like that's just crazy Filth. to me. That's what I happens when you have the best goalie in the entire league. That's what that's what I'm saying. I'm a big goalie guy. Shout out to Brickwall Blake. Uh, we're gonna wrap the like show. <laughs> we're gonna wrap the show with Pitts. Uh. Grading my fantasy team. Well, I mean, I am the champion of the loaded box. Plug the pod, brother, while I pull this up. I am gonna plug the plug the plug the pod. Jesus Christ! All right, so we have a lot in store. Loaded box. We have been pushing the ship forward all summer long with our different episodes of top tens. We were going over divisions and who to draft and not draft funny that i'm on the show now because we did talk about the nfc east and how we said eagles you could pretty much be anywhere you want with them and in the commanders you want nobody so pretty much how we uh went there but loaded box regular season nfl regular season schedule we will be recording on tuesdays episodes on wednesdays and then we will be doing some uh Sundays we will do a recap episode and then Mondays and Tuesdays Twitter spaces and the only way you're going to have to know when we go live on the Twitter spaces to join is follow us at loaded box on Twitter and we're going to have not only episodes going on there uh, Mikey's back he's got some tweets popping off he was popping off some tweets about uh, rating some drafts how do people do and so if you want your team Ranked by the consultant, which get this, OC and I have been trying to get Mikey on the consultant to rate our teams and just no loss. The consultant is back. So go follow us. Loaded box. Subscribe. Apple Podcasts. Pretty much everything you said with the underground stuff. We're there too. We're there with the Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. We're all there. So go check us out. We're recording on Tuesdays. Episodes will be out Wednesdays. And uh, be on the lookout for that. Tweet at us any questions you have, like Kyle is about to have here. So, all right, Pitts. So this is my team for 2022, starting off post draft. I had the eighth pick in my draft. Okay. Uh, the only switch up here, which I'll be reading by round. I did not have a sixth round pick this year, but I had two eighth round picks. 
uh, because I made an in-season trade last year to acquire Hunter Renfro in exchange for Chase Claypool, which ended up being a fantastic move That's for me. That's a fantastic me. trade. That's I got good. eviscerated on Twitter for it because a lot of people thought it was a dynasty trade. It was not. It was a keeper league trade, and I was not keeping Chase Claypool or Hunter Renfro, and uh, it ended up working pretty decently for me, even though I lost in the first round of the playoffs. But... I started my team this year with the following players as my keeper players. So for everybody at home, I get to keep three players for the year that I draft them and then three years after that draft year. Mm -hmm. You can also spend your first round pick to keep a fourth player if you so choose. I did not do that. This was my team to start off. I have Devontae Adams. Okay. I have Dalvin Cook. And I have Mark Andrews to start off so i went into the draft with those three players pretty premium according to yahoo top 25 players for all three of them well yeah you starting out there really uh really well with andrews pretty strong you don't have to worry about a tight end you have to worry about a tight end in the draft so this is how my draft went round one was not a fan of how things went. Didn't realize our boy Dylan Mazzola had two back-to-back picks in the first round before I picked. So I missed out on getting the likes of an Aaron Jones, who was kind of the the darling that I wanted. Uh, then Nick Chubb went before I could draft him as oh. well. So my first overall pick, I'm going with a rookie running back who I hope is going to get a lot of burn this year for a team that is quarterback lacking and that is one Brees Hall for the New York Jets. That was my first pick. He was the best available running back, and I felt like I needed to have a tandem after last year. Uh, my running back tandem got absolutely eviscerated by week four pits because I had Dalvin Cook, and I had Chris Carson. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then my third running back was one Damian Harris. And you know how I feel about Patriots running backs. I know how you feel about Patriots running backs. It was a big hit or miss year for one Damian Harris. So I went with Brees Hall. Zach Wilson's going to be out for, you know, a decent amount of time. They're going to need to establish the run. He's a very highly touted draft pick. And I get a young running back potentially for the next four years. To keep, you don't know how he'll play this year. You might not have to keep it in for three years. Right. So I got Brees Hall number one. My second round pick. You got to also remember everybody at home, everybody's keeping players. So it's not your full loaded, you know, draft uh, that you would typically have. So I was, I was very close. I had the 20th pick, I believe in the, in the second round was my next pick. And it looked real good that I was going to get Josh Allen. It was looking real good. I was going to feel real good about my team if I got Josh Allen. But then Mikey's dad comes through and snakes Josh Allen for me. But here's the catch. Mikey's dad kept Kyler Murray. So now he's got Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. And I lose out on Josh Allen. So my quarterback this season, and I'm kind of excited that this guy's my quarterback because I won... I like this team. They're a rootable, very fun team. Uh, A lot of people think he could win the MVP. And uh, I refer to him by a a French pronunciation of his last name. uh, And that is one Justin Air Bear, Justin Herbert. Well, that's see, here's the thing. I wouldn't have even worried about Josh Allen being on the board. I'm taking Herbert. Justin Herbert is the only quarterback I would take 
way, way early in this entire draft. So I got so, Justin Herbert at pick number Herbert. 20. That's incredible. Good for you. And then I was I was pretty excited about this next pick, even though his quarterback situation is far less than ideal. In the third round, pick number 32 to go alongside Devontae Adams. I also have DK Metcalf. Okay. I don't hate that. But My justification yeah. was he was falling far too much for my liking in a draft like that. And last season when Geno Smith stepped in for those few games when he was playing quarterback, when Russell Wilson was out, DK Metcalf put up far better numbers than Tyler Lockett. Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback uh, for the Seahawks week one. And even if Geno gets benched, I like DK Metcalf with a gunslinger like Drew Locke. So Not that was bad. my justification for DK Metcalf being my wide receiver two uh, on my squad this year. Wide receiver two. That's not bad. If if he was your one, yeah, we have a different conversation. But, like, he's your wide receiver two and you already have Devontae Adams, that's fine. That's the running backs time. were scarce. I don't blame you. After this, Pitts. So I can only imagine. DK Metcalf was the beginning of four straight wide receiver picks for me. I loaded up on wide receivers. My league is a two wide receiver, two running back, tight end, and a flex. So technically, I can start three wide receivers if I'd like. Yeah. Um, I went four straight wide receivers. So round four, speaking of the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's going to be thrown to this guy. I got Jerry Judy in the fourth round. Okay. Cortland Sutton was already off the board. I feel like okay. Jerry Judy's going to be the 1A wide receiver. Not even close to my one, my wide receiver 1 or 2, in my opinion. And he's a guy that can fill in during bye weeks and could pop off at any time. I still think Jerry Judy could have a 1,000-yard receiving season with he Russell could. Wilson as his quarterback. He good. Round 5. Yeah. I went back to the well. I drafted this guy last year. was very thrilled that I drafted him again this year. I think he's going to have a big year with a, a big body force of a wide receiver opposite of him. And that's my boy Devontae Smith from Philadelphia Eagles, baby. We got Devontae in the fifth round, uh, which I was very excited about. Not bad for the wide receivers. Not bad. The wide receivers continue. With one final wide receiver run here. This was my seventh round pick since I didn't have a sixth round pick. Uh, I went back to the wide receiver well. And I got the guy that the Tennessee Titans drafted with the draft pick that they acquired for A.J. Brown. I drafted rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks. Big, I've heard big things from him in camp. I He was a guy that if the Eagles were going to use their draft pick that they ended up trading for A.J. Brown, I wanted them to draft Traylon Burks. So I'm excited for his uh, his potential, and who knows what's in store for him. It's him and Bob Woods. Down in Tennessee. That's my sleeper so. 2022, I swear. Bob Wood's my sleeper 2022. Then I had my, my two eighth-round picks here. I went running backs because I needed to get running backs. This was, this was a stretch of three straight running backs I went on here. Two in the eighth round. Uh, this one's kind of a dark horse pick. It could end up working out. It could be a guy I end up dropping. But from all the reports I've seen, shout-out to my guy Johnny Venerable, who will be on the Eagles Enemies podcast with me later on this year when the Eagles play the Cardinals. He's been tweeting about him, and Yahoo said that this guy can't stay off the field. 
He's forcing his way into the lineup for the Arizona Cardinals. That is Eno Benjamin. Really? I got Eno Benjamin in the eighth really? round. Eno Benjamin. He's forcing his way into being James Conner's really? backup. If he's forcing his way onto the field, in my brain, that equates to he's going to be pass catching. Yeah. Which in a PPR league, that's all you need from a running back. So Eno Benjamin right now is like my RB3A, if you will. I don't want to cut off the, the roll because we're on a roll here. But at the end of this, I, I want – is Eno Benjamin been playing – or no, no, excuse me. Fantasy football, PPR, that's become the standard to me. When you say standard league to me, PPR. Yes. Agree. That's just I just want to get that out there because when people say standard to me, I don't think regular. You know, oh yeah, no, it's gross. That is that's filthy. What are you looking? That, that's freshman ball three? right there. What are we doing? Grow you up. Just find out Yahoo is a fantasy app. No, get out of here. Uh, then with my next eighth round pick, so Eno Benjamin was pick eighty six, pick ninety two, in a league where more than half the guys are from my hometown of Vineland, New Jersey. Oh, I know what's going. Did you get him? I had to take the dice roll and go with Isaiah Pop Pacheco. Nice. Good. So I got Pop in the eighth round. He was one of the four running backs to make the Chiefs roster. He's going to be doing kick returns for them. He could force his way onto the field at some point at running back because the running backs for the Chiefs are nothing really like too scary in my opinion. Uh, And Isaiah can catch the ball as well. So we'll see. That could be a late season, you know. Nice addition on draft day. Uh, then my ninth round pick, I went back to the birds pits. Oh, and this might be a steal for me in this draft because I don't know about you. I don't think Miles Sanders is all too great. He has not scored a touchdown since 2020. And if you're drafting Miles Sanders in your fantasy drafts, you're doing yourself a disservice. I went with the guy that Nick Sirianni adores loves and is this is his prototypical guy at the running back position he's a pinball when you pull that trigger back and it goes flying everywhere this is this guy ninth round pick 104 kenneth gainwell grossest number in all of a run agreed back. kenny we need to work on the number but hey shout out to one. shout out to kenny gainwell but he gets um, i will give you that i think there is something there with gainwell from what I saw last year, like he showed a, some spurts. He's got that, that he juice. Could, he does have. He's got a little speed to him. He can carry the ball, but not only that, he, he can, can catch. catch the ball, which is massive in the direction that the league's going. That makes him that more valuable, especially PPR too. I mean, I'm all in. So like that. that collection of running backs right there are like my RB three combined, almost of of mm-hmm. Eno Benjamin, Isaiah Pacheco. And Kenneth Gainwell, more than likely going to be Kenny Gainwell, I would say, in terms of just trajectory right now. Mm -hmm. And then 10th round, I took a flyer on another rookie wide receiver. Going back to the Chiefs. Pick 116. I got Sky Moore. All name team. All name team. And on a team that doesn't really have a big-time wide receiver anymore. Tyreek Hill is gone. They've got Miko Hardman, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I can't believe you mentioned MVS over Juju, but yeah, I agree. Trash I feel like Sky Moore, if he can work his way onto the field and do some things, 
could be a sneaky little pick uh, with my final position player pick in this draft. Okay, yep. Then my my special teams here, my kicker and my the, my defense. My kicker, I got snaked for Daniel Carlson, which I was very sad about. Um, but I got Matt Prater. All right. Former, Former lion. lion. Former lion, baby. Let's go. Uh, I got Matt Prater kicking for the Cardinals. He's still got a boot even at his, his ripe old age. And uh, my special teams in defense, I went back to the Bolts. I got the L.A. Chargers defense well, to start the, the best, season. That's, that's going to be the best defense in the league. Let me tell you that. That's not even close. So that I mean, is the squad. I, I, I got to go. I'll go 89. I'll take that because what you do there, because I'm obviously I like to round up. You can round that up to an A minus, or if you know you're one of those negative Nellies, it's a B plus. But why it's an 89 and not a 90? Here's why: I'm not a big Brees Hall guy. I'm not. That's fair. I, I'm very. I'm not. I'm very undecided on him. I just know a lot of people are well, big yeah. on him, yeah. and I know Zach Wilson's going to be out, so they're going to need to. How how the the pundits say establish the run, yeah. And uh, Brees yeah. Hall seems to be the guy there, so you don't Mike, spend a yeah. you don't spend a second round draft pick in the NFL draft on a guy if you're not going to play him a, an exorbitant amount. See, like yeah, and and Michael Carter is still there too. I like Michael Carter a lot. I drafted him a lot in leagues. So, but like I mean, Justin Herbert is unbelievable to have your quarterback with Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf. And Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. I mean, you those are that's a very stacked wide receiver uh, room for you. And then Dalvin Cook, I love. I just want him to stay healthy for a whole season. Actually, Me too. I, I would love for Dalvin Cook to stay healthy because I think he could be a top three, maybe even top one, if he just stayed healthy. Agreed. I love Dalvin. Um, hope he stays healthy because he's easily my best running back. Easily <laughs> hands down. I also had to avoid some running backs because not that they're bad. It's just they had the same bye week as Dalvin, and oh, I didn't want to shoot that. myself in the foot again uh, by taking two running backs that are elite that have the same bye week. Mm. Uh, like I had the opportunity to take like a J.K. Dobbins. I had the opportunity to take some guys that have you know very big upside, but have the same bye week as Dalvin and or are injury prone. So I kind of avoided that. And I went with the safe uh, rookie pick there. We'll see what happens, you know, and I got all these wide receivers could potentially parlay that into a trade for a running that's, back that's, for somebody later in the season. That's where my mind went too. It's like, you have so many wide receivers. You can just dish that out. And like, if you get rid of Jerry Judy or DK Metcalf, like you still have Devonta Smith and Devonta Adams and Traylon and, Burks and Traylon Burks. Who's going to start like you, you, you're set. You're fine. And the only thing that I did that some people might question is I, I didn't take a backup tight end with Mark Andrews being my only oh, tight end, oh. but I don't have to worry about a tight end until week 10 when Mark Andrews bye yeah, week is. So exactly. I have so, nine yeah. weeks to just ride the train of Mark Andrews catching every single pass from Lamar Jackson because they don't have a true wide receiver one. What are you talking about, dude? Sammy Watkins is there. No, no, Sammy Watkins is in Green Bay now. I'm Green sorry. Bay now. I forgot because he's so irrelevant. Oh, but Rashad Bateman's good. Rashad Bateman's there. That's that I will say that in a non I I like Rashad Bateman a lot. But like, bro, who else are you fucking throw? Oh, I'm sorry, Scott's no, he's it's Scottsdale. It's <laughs> he's in Scottsdale now. 
Yeah. So, Cardinals fans will not let you forget that Hollywood Brown now plays in Arizona. Fucking, I, it's uh, brutal. I hate the Ravens passing offense, but not bad. I, I, it's a good draft. I give you that. That's a nice two thumbs it. up from Patty Pitts over there. I'll take it. Make sure you guys check out the Loda Box podcast coming to a podcast feed near you this week as fantasy football gets underway Thursday night. Rams, Bills. Big way to kick off the NFL season. And the Loda Box podcast will be coming to the YouTube channel as well. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you guys are following us at Underground PHI on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. We will have Matt and I, our leg of the hashtag Road to 1K Gauntlet Challenge for you on Wednesday night on Twitch. So you don't want to miss that. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It helps the show grow, helps more people find the show, and uh, we just want to grow this community even more because apparently the Philadelphia Inquirer doesn't know we exist and uh, just Yo, add I was them gonna to the list. I was dead ass going to bring that up. I'm like, oh, I'll wait till you say it. We'll, we'll talk like, about it in depth. How the hell we ain't on there yet? We'll talk about it in depth on Wednesday night's show, and I, I just have them in the back of my mind. They're on a list, and uh just motivates me even more. So shout-out to the Inquirer for doubting us. Um, subscribe to the podcast feed, uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Smash that like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single second of the content we're dishing out for you. And comment down below your thoughts on the Union, the Sixer signing Montrez Harrell, uh, the Phillies, the Eagles, give us your Eagles predictions. Wednesday night, me and Matt going to go through and, and predict everything with the Eagles. We're very high on them this year. We did our, our win totals for every single NFL team last week, Pitts, uh, which was very, very fun to go. We did every single team. Kept a record of it, so we're going to go back and look in you know January and see how piss poor we did. It's going to be great. Care how, I don't care if you have the Patriots winning the division. I don't care if you have them in the playoffs or not. Please tell me you have them over five wins. Uh, I believe so. Okay, because some asshole said that they were going to go five and twelve, and I actually wanted to just lose my mind because that Matt is had them at eight wins. I had them Fine. at nine. I had them at nine. Fine, that's that's I I can't get mad at that. Like that's your, but like that's a that's a good number where we had some guy uh, say, yeah, they're going to go five and twelve. No, like no, they're not. But um, they might not make the playoffs. Fine, but they're not gonna go five and twelve. Exactly. Um, so yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're on that road to one K. Which Loaded Box will have their leg eventually as well. Once it's we're up gonna on YouTube. talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna get that going because I have some ideas cooking and sh- sneaky OC is very creative. I Sneaky, I have an idea for when I, we sign off of here that I'll put into your brain that I think okay. might work. Okay. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC. It's the best place to go get your car worked on. They're the best in the game. Go check them out if you're in the South Jersey area. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, Pickup, Tomahawk Shades, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board, all of their information is linked in the show notes on audio and in the description on YouTube. This has been another episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia, number 461 to be exact. For Pat Pitts, I'm KB. 
Until Wednesday night with myself and Matt, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.